Blog Talk Radio. See, I've hit it, but it doesn't actually work. (laughs) Five years into hosting a radio show. Wow, you hit the wrong one. <laughs> well, I hit the first one originally, and it didn't work. So, you know, oh, what can wow. I tell you? Uh, welcome, welcome to the show, everybody. Seth and Sean Sports Radio. Seth uh, sitting in his apartment in in Hoboken with the little man staring at me, the dog waiting for my wife. Sean in the middle of nowhere, Connecticut. Um, All right. You know, trying to get everything fixed. I have Maryland Stony Brook on the t- on the tube. You have three and a half hours left to drive up to Boston. I do. You know, you you, you try and beat the traffic by going early. It's uh, giving everybody, by the way, for the Thanksgiving Day show that we're having here, and traffic seems to just want to come with me. Not only that, but my car always seems to have an issue, whether it's me driving, whether it's Seth driving, whether it's anybody driving. My car just, I need a new car. That's about it, about it. but I will not get one while I live in the city because there's really no reason for that. But anyway, now that I've done vetching or venting or whatever you want. Sean, you've, you've never, come on now, you've never been done vetching. True. In four years of doing let this radio me, show, you have never been finished vetching. Let me be the first one to congratulate you again, Seth. On not selecting Jay Cutler as our quarterback. (laughs) Because not only would we have the choice of not Jay Cutler this year, who is undergoing. Look, we we at the Seth and Sean Sports Radio Show definitely do not endorse injuries by any stretch. But we have a very, very bad history with one Jay Cutler in our fantasy league team. Two years ago, of course, we uh, were in the Super Bowl and Jay Cutler – He's injured in the playoffs, and then he comes back. And, of course, was it Lovey Smith? No, it was Mark Trestman at the time. Mark Trestman decides, in his infinite wisdom, while we desperately give Super Bowl bench So who with Jimmy? Okay, Sean, nobody can hear you. You're kind of fading in and out. And now you're off the phone. The, what, what he was trying to say in non-gibberish terms was, for those of you who listened to the show over the years, we unfortunately had the unfortunate uh, pleasure of having Jay Cutler as one of our starting quarterbacks in a year we were 13-1 and one or 12-1. And, and Mark Trestman benched him for the, benched him for, the cha- for our Super Bowl, a game we, we ended up losing by four. And Sean has never really gotten over it. Uh, welcome back, sir. It was the ghost of Jay Cutler. I swear, the ghost <laughs> of Jay Cutler cut me off. Hey, you know what? Event. You know what's going to be fun. You, you know what's going to be funnier though, Sean, when he's your what's starting that? quarterback next year. No, 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 no. Ro- Tony Romo, maybe. Well, you know what? There may very well be my starting quarterback next year. I wouldn't put it past any. I wouldn't put it past the Jets. But let's talk about your Giants who seems to be winning with a passing game, no running game to speak of, as we talked about last week, a defensive line that finally can get to the quarterback, exhibit A, Jay Cutler's shoulder, 
but no secondary to speak of outside of Landon Collins, who may be in the running for not only defensive play, well, definitely for defensive player of the year. And I think he's got to have some votes perhaps for MVP. I mean, not not like in the top three or top four, but maybe a vote or two. But defensive player of the year, this guy's got to be in that rush. I would think so, although I don't see the I don't see your MVP going there. Um, I, I posted actually a Vice Sports uh, article on uh, on the Giants being seven and three, and pretty much the title is, and this kind of personifies Vice Sports and sports sports inter, internet sports media as a whole. New York Giants suck, but somehow they keep winning, and it's very funny. And actually, someone who's a much better writer than anyone who writes for Vice Sports. You know, he stated that there were two sentences wrong in the first two hours in the first sentence were incorrect, or two there were two hours in the first sentence. Um, I guess the question is, you look at the team the last two years, and they've gone six and ten and six and ten, and all these games within three points, four points, five points, they lost. Whether it was through terrible time management, whether it was through the Eli pass of the day, whatever the reason may be, and this year with. A lesser, run, a lesser running game, although I do like uh, Paul Perkins down to eventually become a competent starter in the NFL. Um, their offense has been mediocre. Their defensive line has been good, but they've not gotten a lot of sacks. And he said the best player on the team this year has been uh, Landon Collins, the second-year free safety from Alabama. But the team is not very good. And anyone who thinks anything to the contrary, you watch – them play at home against a two and seven Chicago bears team, missing their best player in Alshon Jeffrey. And that was a game they very well could have lost. Um, but they are seven and three. They play the Browns. So there's a very good chance they will be eight and three. And then you have the division. You know, you, then you have the division. Um, you have rematches against Dallas who they've already beaten. You have Washington who they should have beaten. And you have Philly. Plus I think they have, I want to say they have the Steelers as well. So we'll see how good the team is going down, going down the road. Um, you know, is it a team that's going to go nine and seven and fall into the playoffs? Or is it a team that's going to go 11 and five and have it be a threat to win a game or two? I can't see them going in. I cannot see them really winning more than a game. Um, but, you know, stranger things have happened. And, you know, when you, when you look at the Giants history, their their best team ever was 1986, and they won the Super Bowl. Their second best team was 2008, when they were nine and one, and Plaxico shot himself. You know, Literally. and then they fell apart. But yeah, I mean, he shot himself. And that team would have gone 14 and two. I think that team would have gone to the Super Bowl and won it pretty. That team was dominant. But you look at the other three Super Bowl teams: 1990, 2007, 2011, and even the 2001 Super Bowl team that lost to the Ravens. None of these teams were that good. You know, they got hot at the right time, but, you know, these are not great teams. The Giants, so, you know, the Giants, when they make the playoffs, do have a tendency to, to overachieve. It's just making the play. It, they underachieve on their, way to, on their way there. Yeah. And, but if you're looking at a team that can give Dallas fit, I think this is a good matchup for the Giants. Now, it's not this week, it's, it's next week. This week, uh, the, the Cowboys play the Redskins on one of the more entertaining, at least looking at the schedule, entertaining Thanksgiving days in a while. I think every single team 
it has an over 500 record, which I don't ever recall yeah. seeing for a Thanksgiving Day. Uh, I don't know lineup. if they're over 500. They may. I think they may be at 500. Um, yeah, I think India is five and five. Okay, and they all have some form of playoff consequence to them. Granted, we're only yes. 10 or 11 games in. But the fact is, Indy without Andrew Luck may not be may not be the uh, uh, the game that we all India. think. Well, but let's be honest. Indy without Andrew Indy without Andrew Luck may not qualify for the college football playoff. Right, but the Giants match up with Dallas as well as any other team in the NFL. To me, I think because of their pass rush and because the weak point on that Dallas team, if there is one, is the secondary. The Giants match up extraordinarily well. Uh, will they be able to beat them for the second time? I don't know. I mean, the NFL is the NFL. Every week is a different story. But it's definitely, if you're looking for a matchup that plays into the Giants' hands, Dallas is definitely there. Now let's look at some of the yeah, other I mean, matchups that go. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, uh, it's, not a, it's not anything I'm particularly concerned about at this point. I mean, they play – uh, I don't simply because well it's one game I don't expect the Giants I don't expect Dallas to go fifteen and one I I I mean I think they're playing extremely well but they're over, they're also overachieving to a degree um, you know you see the, we'll see how it plays out right now it, to me it is Seattle than everybody else in the NFC agreed Seattle but, has been you know, playing they give tremendous you, ball tremendous ball yeah. the, and now they have to overcome injuries. I mean, unlike most other teams that have had key injuries at major spots, Seattle, Russell Wilson has been able to escape injury. Doug Baldwin has been able to escape injury. Jimmy Graham has come back tremendously. Their defense overall has basically been unscathed. Now they've got some injury problems. Earl Thomas is going to be out at least one week probably with that with that. Uh, after that hit that he had on Gronkowski, you have um, C.J. Preuss is out, the running back that just came, that uh, just exploded onto the scene. So so Rawls coming back off of an ankle injury is going to have to take the lead on that. Cam Chancellor is just coming back from injury. Michael Bennett is injured. Now is the time to see if Seattle has the depth. They have a lot of money in that front seven. Sorry, in that back seven for um, for the secondary. Now the question is, did that money come with some sacrifices to the depth? Now yeah, we'll find out as we go. And it's a division that was expected. You know, Arizona has been probably the biggest disappointment in the NFL this year. You know, San Francisco is going nowhere, and the Rams are you know, the Rams are potentially six and ten because, well, they're the Rams. Um, you know, good week for the Jets. <laughs> that was a bye week. Thanks. Hey, I assume we well, take what know, we can it's, get. It's, you know, it's interesting, though. It was a good week for the Jets. You know why it was a good week for the Jets? Because now the Jets, if there was any hope that they were going to look to the playoffs, which is stupid, it all evaporated when the, when the Dolphins beat the Rams. Because now there is no way absolutely no way that they can compete. And don't understand it. 
I know that Todd Bowles is playing for his job or coaching for his job. But at the end of the day, somebody brought up to me this fact. Two years ago, the Jets were were 2-11 and and the Titans were 2-11 and or 2-10. and They were both at the same record. And the Jets were down in the fourth quarter and came storming back and won that game. The Titans then proceeded to lose their last two games while the Jets won, I believe, one out of the two. Guess who the Titans wound up with? Marcus Mariota? Right. So Who did the, the Jets, Jets more importantly, with? who did the Jets end up with? I believe that was Dean Milner. Ooh. That's not the Leonard Williams here? Oh, it may have been the Leonard Williams here. Okay, so they drafted. Yeah, it had to be because Mariota's only two years in, and so is Williams. Right, you're correct. You're correct. So a good player, but not a franchise quarterback. Oh, well, look, I mean, the bright side is, is the yeah, the, the bright side is this. If you decide you want to go quarterback in the first round, there are five quarterbacks, Mitch Jablinski in Carolina, Brad, uh, North Carolina, Brad K in Miami. You're looking at Watson from um, Clemson. You're looking at Kaiser from Notre Dame. Okay, there's four quarterbacks. We're sure there's a fifth. I'm forgetting. So there is talent. There is a, will be a quarterback there. You know, yeah. I'm not sure which one they would want. And I'm not sure they want to give up on drafting Christian Hackenberg. I'm sorry, I'm trying not to laugh. Christian Hackenberg, Hack. you know, in the second round. Hack. So, you know, we'll we'll see yeah. how it plays out. Um, well, here's but, you know, there's but a that's lot. A great, that, that's a great segue to the to the college game. Well done. And thank you. If if anybody was watching today, the NCAA came down on Notre Dame. Wow, they came down on Notre Dame in the one season that Notre Dame is not going to go to a ball game at all. <laughs> so you kind of and and the funny thing is. When you look at this, they have to give back all the wins, all the wins for the BCS championship game year, the pinstripe ball game year, and one other BCS um, playoff game year. Except, and normally, I mean, oh, sorry, please continue. And uh, normally, who cares about the win? But except right. for the fact that this probation, the probation in quotes only goes till next November. So that means this year being the atrocity the added is for Notre Dame. They won't go to a bowl game anyway. And by the time the probation ends next year, if they have a good year, they go to a bowl game. I agree. There is one kind of caveat to this. And with 99% of teams, you know, prior year wins don't mean anything after the fact. Remember, this is a team that has competed, that was the, had the most wins in the history of college football for many years, and now has fallen fell second behind Michigan, which is something, in, which, but by only a very small margin, five, six, seven wins. With these three seasons being negated, it pushes them about 40 or 50 behind, which is not okay. something they're going to come back from. So I'm not saying it's particularly pertinent, but – there, it does have more of an impact than, say, Syracuse or Maryland uh, losing three years of wins. Of course, Syracuse or Maryland losing three years of wins would be about, well, kind of meaningless. Like <laughs> exactly. So, you know, a, a pretty nondescript week in college football, other than um, Louisville 
a team who I thought would have gone to the playoffs, absolutely getting obliterated by Houston and future Texas coach Tom Tom uh, Herman, which we'll Tom discuss Herman. in a little while. Hold on so, a second. You know, before, we, but, before we go away from Notre Dame, I do want somebody brought up at lunch today when this all came down. Who's the fall guy? There is if none. There has to be one. You, really? You Charlie White, uh, Whittingham, whoever. No, because here, here's the thing. It happened, it was, what, Brian Kelly's first year. They're, they're not going to, it may, or actually it was probably before. So it was, the coach before was, was it Charlie White, I'm thinking? Or is it, no, or am I forgetting no, somebody? No, Brian Kelly's year. All Brian, Brian Kelly's Kelly first, but it was Brian Kelly's first year. But they're saying first, it was not an institution, it was not an institution. It was not an institutional control year, control issues. It was just regular individuals. Kelly's not going to, uh, because what's going to happen is this. Kelly gets one more year to make this better. Either he does or he doesn't. If the team is 9-3 and three next year, nobody remembers any of this stuff. And Notre Dame is Notre Dame. We all know this. They, everything will get pushed under, you know, get pushed by the wayside, and that'll be that. It's unfor- you know, again, I don't know enough about the charges to know whether there, sh- there was a lot more that, that, that could have come into play. But, I mean, it's certainly whatever it is, it's not as bad as what happened in Carolina. And have you heard of anything happening in Car- North Carolina? I mean, nope. people were talking death penalty a year ago. And Rickets. I haven't heard Rickets. a thing. Crickets. So, you know, it, it, look, as, as they said one time, you know, Kentucky fa- – when, when the NCAA goes after teams, when, when Sean Kemp, when Kentucky went under probation under, because of the Sean Kemp issues, where they opened a box of cash, a shoebox of cash that was mailed to him and was, just went to the wrong UPS box. That's one thing. You know, they got that year, they, got, they, got, they went after Cleveland State. They go after the teams that need them, not after the teams that they can't control. Um, Although, you know, in, in regards to institutional control, you know, you look at actually DeAndre, DeAndre Levy's comments about his proudest moment was taking out Joe Paterno. Uh, it's, been a, it's been an interesting college week, let's put it that way. Interesting, at least peripherally, not per, not per se on the field, but certainly off the field. Um, you know, do you the a, shame is, you know. have a problem with what Levy said? Because I don't. No, I just found it funny. Uh, I mean, not. It was just. It was kind of something just out of nowhere and kind of. I don't want to say inappropriate, but just kind of irrever- irreverent, for I guess lack of a better term. Um, well, Seth, he he said that a long time ago. This wasn't the first time he said that. So, for those that don't recall, DeAndre Levy was a uh, linebacker for Wisconsin. Wisconsin, correct? Yes? Yeah. Okay, Wisconsin. And during a game, he made a tackle and hit Joe Paterno and broke Joe Paterno's leg. He called that the best thing he had ever done in college, in in his his career. Down this week, he called Joe Paterno a scumbag. And he didn't, when asked, I give DeAndre Levy a lot of credit when asked, if he truly believed that, he doubled down. And he said, yeah, I do. He didn't back away from it. DeAndre Levy does a lot of work for sexual abuse victims. And 
he said, look, anybody that, anybody that hides sexual abuse is a scumbag. I give props to DeAndre Levy for saying yeah. what he did. He didn't hide behind anything. He said, yeah, I said it. And, and in, an, in an era where everybody says you take stuff out of context or that stuff just wasn't funny, SNL, Trump, Hamilton, Pence, I can continue. Um, DeAndre Levy didn't back down at all. I give him a lot of credit for it. No, and, you know, he, Levy, yeah, Levy, and it's interesting because his coach in Detroit, Joe Caldwell, was actually coached under uh, Paterno. And, you know, so it probably will, it probably leaves kind of an uncomfortable situation, you know, in that, in that area. But, you know, as I said, you're right though. Um, or going to back Joe Paterno because that's what they do. And for someone to kind of stand alone, I probably, I probably shouldn't have been reverent was probably not the right word. Um, I, it, it says a lot about Levy's character, whether you agree with him or not to stand alone, uh, uh, kind of on an Island with, with these comments and to, to use your words, double down says, says something quite, it says quite a bit. Going, going on to a little bit more enjoyable college football discussions. Well, not I, should, I shouldn't say, well, before we get to college football as a whole, you know, Kansas, which wins a college football, in a college football game about as often as um, uh, Sean, help me here. What? Kansas? What? Yeah. Where wins a college for? football game about as, about as often as. Oh. Uh, the, Detroit, uh, the Sacramento, the Sacramento Kings win it, win an NBA championship, um, or any yeah, of Sean's much teams mi- winning it. Any of Sean's teams win that would be true. Championship? There you go. There you go. Um, you know, Kansas beats Texas. Uh, yep. Unfortunately, the death knell most likely for Charlie Strong. Whether yep. bad fit, whether you know, not really having a lot of the big alums, Red McCombs, behind him from the outset. You know, he, he's brought in play, he's brought in talent. He's, you know, the the, the 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 players live and die by him. But the team is 16 and 20. And whether they beat TCU or not beat TCU, this is a team that's really going no, that you looked when they beat Notre Dame in the beginning of the year and probably one of the college football games of the year, a game that you thought would have a little bit more consequence than it ended up having. You know, this is a team that's five and six. They really don't seem to have the identity. And now the worst part is they haven't, they haven't fired them. They're kind of saying after the Friday game, but everyone knows it's an inevitability at this point. I have no doubt Strong is going to end up with, a, with another coaching job, but I do wonder, I wonder about the ramifications both for him and for the university, uh, you know, in the short term. What are your thoughts, what are your thoughts on the fire? I mean, on the, prob- the probable inevitable firing and how it's been handled by the AD. Okay, so first of all, it's been handled absolutely disgusting. You either relieve the guy or you don't relieve the guy. You don't hang him on the ledge. That's number one, especially since reports are that he's gone, but he hasn't been told that he's gone. That's number one. This happens a lot. I would say in all sports, this happens a lot. The inevitability of the part. Number two, he wasn't given a fair shake. He was given three seasons. So in college football, you're given three seasons. 
it's not like you can go out and pick and choose your players in free agency and make your team better. These aren't pro guys. These are this is football. This is freshmen don't necessarily make the jump right away. So his first year he's dealing with Mac Brown's team. He's dealing with Mac Brown's recruits. His second year, he's dealing with Mac Brown's team and Mac Brown's recruits. This is the first year that he really has his own team. And yeah, he went downhill. But how long was Mac Brown given a leash? I have a really hard time with this. Charlie Strong's a good coach. He was a good coach at Florida. He was an excellent coach at Louisville. He went he won like thirty out of his last thirty two games at Louisville. The guy can coach. So what did he do this year? He rooted out the bad stuff. He took guys that weren't going to class and, and threw them off the team. He made it his team. And this is the year he's getting fired. I think he just gets a raw deal. I think in total the AD screwed this, screwed the pooch. Strong will end up at another big, at another big five power conference pretty quickly. Um, you think so? Wait, yeah. Wait, you think yeah. so? I don't. I do. I think he'll wind I up do. as a coordinator somewhere, but I don't think he's going to wind up as he, a head coach for a while. He may end up to, as a coordinator for a year, maybe two at max. This is a guy who brought Louisville. Forget Petrino and. You know, who brought, forget Petrino. This is a guy who brought Louisville to the Sugar Bowl where they beat the heck out of Florida. You know, this is a guy who can recruit. This is a guy who, whose players forget, forget love him. They pretty much, they would run through the wall for him. Class act. I see no reason that he will not get another coach, head coaching job next year or so offer in the next year or so. Now, again, I think in the power of fire. I'm not saying he's going to want it. I'm not going to say he's going to take it. He may decide he wants it, you know, he wants to take a year to make a, to make a better determination. He may, he may decide that, you know, it's a bad job and he doesn't, but he can be a defensive coordinator anywhere in the country. And if he decides to do that for a year or two while waiting for a coaching job. Now, I don't think it, it won't, it may not be a Texas. It may not be a USC. It may not be a Notre Dame, although it's not, I guess not power five. It may not be a, one of that magnitude. Right. I think he can, I think he can get a mid tier power, mid tier power five conference. And then if he can build that up, which I think he would, then you see what happens. But, so, you know, it's so sad. I, I don't think Charlie Strong gets another head coaching job in the top 25 in the next three years. Okay. I I disagree. Well, well, wait a minute. Top 25, if you're a top 25 team, most of the time you don't really need another coach. The only reason you would need a coach is if someone <laughs> is if somebody left to go to the pros or – you're like Larry Fedora going from UNC to LSU and North Carolina is number 23. If you're a big, t- I mean, you know, Ohio state and Michigan are not going to be open for the next few years. All right. All right. So let's, so let's say top 40. Okay. I disagree. I think he will, but again, he years. may not take it even if it comes. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Um, the college football you know, uh, rankings okay, just so came out. Right. So we have a, Oh, okay, so we'll go there first. But we got a coaching carousel that has to go at some point, right? So you got 
Herman. You got LSU open. Do you want to talk about that now or you want to talk about that at the end of the NCAA season? Is the coaching carousel going to go? Talk, let's, let's talk about the rankings first. They just came out. No big shocks. Louisville drops to 10 um, and is, is effectively eliminated. You're looking it, You're looking at uh, Alabama, who's number one, two, and three for all intents and purposes. You have Ohio State two, Memphis three, Clemson four, Washington five, Wisconsin six. Okay. Seven, and Penn State seven. Memphis and those are – sorry, I thought I said Michigan is three, Clemson is four. There you go. Um, Washington five, Wisconsin six, Penn State seven, Oklahoma eight. And that, for all intents and purposes, is everybody who's pertinent. And – you know, you look at the games coming up this week. I mean, Thursday, the Thanksgiving weekend games are always great uh, for both college and pro. You know, the the bigger challenge is how the heck do I get my wife to let me watch Ohio State-Michigan on, at 12 o'clock on Saturday. Um, in my, you know, it, probably the game of the year, Ohio State will be favored. But as many of you know, Ohio State wins that game. Most likely they're not going to the conference final, which is probably best for the Big Ten. Ohio, an eleven and one Ohio State team, will go to the, will go to the will go. I think you're looking you're looking at two teams from the Big Ten. In my mind, if Ohio State wins and Penn State wins, you have a Penn State Wisconsin championship. Wisconsin wins that game. I think Wisconsin goes. Penn State wins. I don't know um, because I think Penn State's schedule. Penn State is not beaten other than Ohio State has not beaten anybody yet. Um, and they lost by 40 to Michigan, which doesn't really sound too good to me. Michigan, without their quarterback on the road, I think it's a difficult matchup for them. If Michigan, you know, but I mean, I'm, the way I'm looking at it, you have Alabama. Clemson's going to win out or should win out. Alabama, Alabama could lose both games and still go. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I'm not sure where Washington stands because they really haven't beaten anybody. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State play this weekend. That's number eight and number 10. I get the winner is on the outside, but still in the running. It's a fun, as I said, it's a fun weekend of football. I hopefully I get to watch as much of it as humanly possible. Yeah, I mean, no question about it. This is, you got the backyard bowl. I mean, this is where all the Iron Bowl, I think, is this weekend as well, right? So you have all the, yeah. you have all the rivalry games. This is like rivalry weekend for or football, or college football. And so who's, who's oh, Syracuse's rival in the ACC? Uh, Pittsburgh. There you no. go. You can't play Pittsburgh. Because Pittsburgh plays, oh, no, because Pittsburgh doesn't play West Virginia anymore. Because they're out of conference. <laughs> so I think we play West, I think we play Pittsburgh. Which and, of course, another the, game, the big, another Maryland, game the big Maryland football the big Maryland football rivalry, Maryland Rutgers. <laughs> well, you know what? Rutgers has been outscored in the Big Ten by over 230 points. Yeah, and Maryland is actually play, Maryland is playing for something because if they win, they become bowl eligible. My hope is they would, that would put them in the pinstripe ball which is, of course, is held in Yankee Stadium. And since we're not going to Florida this year, I would get to go. Um, but a humbling three weeks for my beloved Terrapins on the uh, football end. On the basketball end, 
an amazing comeback against Georgetown last week, and we're four and zero, and we're three and zero, and up about ten on Stony Brook right now. So you wanted to talk uh, coaching carousel, and okay. the, the two teams, the two teams you you look at right off the top is you look at LSU, and you look at Texas. They're both going to go after Tom Herman. LSU is going to go after Jimbo Fisher. If LSU goes after Jimbo Fisher and goes there and, and they were able to t- bring him over from Florida state, that kind of opens up this whole, we have this whole gambit here, this whole, you know, you're going to have Purdue open. There's always going to be one or two surprises. Oregon's probably going to be open. You know, there's a lot of ways. There's a lot of, there's a lot out there. And usually there's one or two other coaches that we can't think of that we don't know yet, but we'll be, we'll be fired at the end of the season. Yeah, if you're I Tom mean, Herman, is, as good as, as well as Houston has treated you, is there any way you stay at Texas or LSU comes calling? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> How could you? Texas, gonna, Texas is going to double your salary. LSU will double your salary. You're playing on the top stage. Houston's not the Power Five conference. Unless your name is Chris Peterson. You don't do this. And even at some point, Chris Peterson left. So, I mean, no, I don't see any way that this happens. Is it good for college football? No, it stinks. It stinks because now you're you're dealing with the whole recruiting thing again, where people went to Houston to play for Tom Herman, and now they're going to play for somebody else. And then it's a domino effect. But – Seth, can you see any reason he stays there? No. Question whether – to me, it's a hard move. You're not – you know, similar to – it's not like you're going from a, from a mid-tier power five. You're going from, you know, a mid-major to two of the five biggest – I mean, this is two of the five biggest, team, biggest teams in college football. Texas, yep. I think Texas is the is the best college football job there is. Um, LSU is not far behind, you know, which is why they can talk to a Jimbo Fisher, you know, who would have a job for life at Florida State and have a reasonable chance of getting him. I think Texas, I, I think they go for Herman. I, I I would be surprised if they went elsewhere. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's, I think if you're him, you have to take it. I'm not sure it's the best fit for him. But who knows? Well, I don't. I don't know. I'll tell you. There's one person that you have to think about when it comes to not accepting this type of job, and that name is Kevin Sumlin. Kevin Sumlin, last two years ago, was the hottest guy, right? With Mandel, he was the cream of the crop, and he stayed at Texas A&M. And granted, Texas A&M is a, it's a big program, but they're not the big program. And if he had said at that time he wanted a bigger job instead of re-signing with A&M, he would have gotten it. He was, he was lightning in a bottle. And he didn't take a bigger job. He went back to Texas A&M. And now his future is, is kind of sketchy at A&M. They're, they may be looking to, to let him go, too. Yeah, I mean, he was actually – they thought he was in worse shape even last year, and they kept him. And then he started off with a really nice – beginning of the year, and then they've kind of collapsed down the stretch. Their problem, a lot of it, is they've lost a lot of their recruits. And no one, there's no real 
I mean, it's not public knowledge why. But they've had two or three top five quarterback recruits in the last couple of years, and all of them are gone. So that is a job that, you know, is, the rumors have been around him for a little while. But, again, he's someone if – someone, if, if someone is fired, he will have a job within a month. Um, he's done – he rebuilt Texas A&M from kind of a nowhere land. And, look, he's, a lot of it was Manziel and Mike Evans. But, you know, they have, they have the number one draft pick possibly in the draft coming out in Miles Garrett. But he's, he's still – it just a bit, occasionally sometimes people outlive their usefulness at a, at a given school, and that may be what ha, what's happening at A&M, but I have no doubt that he would get a solid job elsewhere. Again, the question is, what's there? You know, does, if, if LSU can't get Herman and can't get, um, and can't get uh, uh, crap, uh, Jimbo Fisher, do they go, who are they looking at? Do they try and get Chip Kelly? Do they, do they go a little bit less dynamic and go, like a Larry Fedora in, uh, from North Carolina, who's won everywhere he's been. You know, you go for a big, you go for a big time assistant. I think it's too big of a job to do that. You know, where is Les Miles interested in, in coaching? Does he want to go to Purdue? Does he want to go to Oregon? You know, th- there's a lot. Oregon's going to be a hell of a job because Phil Knight is apparently they're going to they're going to really put out the money to bring in someone to replace Mark Helfich. So. You know, there's a lot. There is a lot out. There's going to be a lot of jobs out there. And you know, we'll see. We'll see. Ah, we won a half hour. Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. But speaking of coaches who have gone by the wayside, uh, Jurgen Klinsmann fired from U.S. Soccer after five years, replaced kind of as a retread uh, by Bruce Arena. Uh, the U.S. soccer team has not really improved in the last five years, let's be honest. And sitting at 0-2 after an embarrassing 4-0 loss to Costa Rica, it, it seemed like a team kind of going nowhere. Now, I know I'm a bigger soccer fan than you are, but do you agree with the move or no? Well, okay, so I played soccer before. Not on this level, obviously. You played soccer before. I have a question. How important is a coach? And how much does a coach really do in a soccer game? When you don't have, you, you make what? Three substitutions a game. You have your lineup that you set, and then you let the players play. This isn't a, I think of all the sports that I can think of right now, where a coach would have a effect on the game, I have to think, and look, you're the bigger soccer guy. I think soccer, a soccer coach, has the least effect on any sport that I can recall. I agree and disagree with you. Um, number one, he was not only was he the was he the coach, but he was also kind of the the under twenty. He was kind of the recruiting. He ran the, like all of U.S. soccer. He was the number two guy under under Suno Galati. And which has never happens. You know, he was he's the only person. I think it's, it's called a technical director, and he was the only person in the world to have bo- to have both positions simultaneously. His players, oh, his player. I just elbowed my son in the head. Oh God! All right. So anyway, okay. 
Sorry about this, everybody. No, this has gotten a lot funnier since we had a kid, isn't it? Um, so they, they, he never should have gotten that job. He was never known as a tactician when he was, at Ger- when he was in Germany. Uh, Joachim Lowe, who's been the coach since Klinsman left, was that, had that position, and he's held it. The reality, he doesn't like playing. He hates the MLS. He's made that abundantly clear. And so I, I think you can get away with a lot of this stuff. You know, when he calls the media, anyone who, who thinks he should be fired, stupid, or has differing opinions from him, stupid, which he said, which he said in the press last week. I think at a certain point, you can get away with these kind of things when your team is winning. When your team is not winning, and not even that, looks, they look worse. They've, they've, they've gone down in overall. And they're, before he joined, they were number 20 in the world. Now, excuse me, they're number 24. They've had some bad losses. And they're 0-2 in, in, in now Bruce Arena, most likely. Is a shot, is a is a is a is a stopgap. He'll be through the 2018 World Cup, and he's done a good job. That he's done a good job with the U.S. team when he coached them in 02 and 06 or through 06. And I just think at a certain point, as I said, just like you said with other coaches, sometimes you just start tuning people out, and it's time to. I think it's time to bring in some new blood and see. You know, there's a lot of players at Benny Fellhaber, Landon Donovan, a couple of years ago where he's kind of just writes these people off, off the bat. And, you know, so this is kind of, I think, I think this is necessary. Um, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, I don't, I don't, my mind it. It. I don't have an issue with it happening. I just don't see how it changes anything. I don't think a coach changes anything at soccer. I mean, you want to say that the general manager, which I think was the technical guy that you were talking about, that he held both positions. I get that. That if you want to bring in new people, if you want to replace the GM of a team and bring in new people, I get that. But as far as bringing in a coach, you just told me he wasn't a great technical guy when he was with Germany. So what did the U.S. think that they were getting in the first place? Well, that was a lot of debate was was he being brought in to kind of bring a name to, to the sport? Because he is, you know, he's charismatic. He's a winner, yada, yada, yada. He's a good guy. And, you know, when he play, started playing Mexico, they started in a weird, I think it was a two-five-three formation, which nobody plays at the highest level. And they got dominated in the first half. And these aren't things, they, he likes playing people out of position. He likes making things uncomfortable, to kind of in a lot of ways, and I'm not sure on a national stage if that's something you should be doing. So I don't know. You know, look, they should qualify for the World Cup because, to be honest, they should just qualify for the World Cup. Um, but is this a long-term solution with Bruce Arena? Probably not. But if it gets you to the Cup in an 18, you know, they have another uninspiring performance there, and. It, and they go for someone new and kind of reboot it, I can live with that. What you can't, what is very difficult to swallow would be to, world, to watch a World Cup in 2018 and the U.S. isn't there. Well, Seth, let me ask you this. Why did, why did the U.S. fire Bruce Arena in the first place? 
Um, because he was he was their coach for I think six years. I think it was a one a five years from like oh two to oh six, or one oh six, whatever it was. Maybe it was even even earlier than that. And in oh six, they were the worst one of the worst teams in the World Cup. Oh two, they made the quarters. They should have they outplayed Germany in the quarterfinal game, losing one nothing uh, on a Michael Ballack header. Um, but they outplayed Germany in that game. And I don't mean that as a as a big U.S. as a nationalist fan. They just outplayed them in the game. Um, so they right, fired in the six because okay. in the six they just weren't very good. I guess what I'm saying is when you look at coaches that and managers that have been brought back to the same team, and I understand that this is not the same team because it's six years later, right? So you would. Six years, six years, ten Somewhere years, there. ten years later, ten years later. So probably yep. it's a whole new roster. One would think. Yeah. But you you fired him for a reason. And whether I don't think bringing him, I don't think bringing him, I don't think bringing him. The reason that they just weren't any good. Well, obviously you fire the coach because they just weren't any good. But there's got to be a reason why they weren't good. Was it talent? Was it strategy? Why weren't they good, and how is that going to be any better the second go around? This is this reminds me of Billy Martin. Uh, Billy, Billy didn't come back. Bruce Arena is not coming back six times, but um, well, it's a different team. The guy's coached ten more years a club, so he's probably a better coach now than he was then. I do understand the point, and in theory, if this, I don't think this is a ten-year solution for the national team. I think this is a – Tyler Twelman on ESPN kind of quoted this the best, quoted this best. It's a band-aid it's – a, it's a stopgap because the coaches that they probably want, a Peter Vermes, a Greg Berhalder, these are guys who are probably not ready yet. And they want, they want them to have more – Jason Christ, they want them to have more club experience. But this is a guy who knows, who knows how to coach the national team Knows how no kind of knows the ins and outs, and should be able to prepare them for the follow, for the next couple of years. I think that's how they see it, and you know we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. Okay. So look, I, I know nothing about soccer. I will be the first one to admit it. I am a fair weather soccer fan, but the one thing that disturbed me the most, well, the most in the last couple of years is the fact that I turned on the Olympics and didn't see USA soccer qualify. And I was like, how could you, how can the United States not qualify for the Olympics? It just seemed unreal to me. And to not qualify for the World Cup would be the same issue. It's how? Um, the World Cup would be mu- the World Cup would be much worse. Um because the Olympics I think you're only allowed three players over twenty two or over twenty three. So it's more of a college team in a lot of ways than anything, or an amateur team than anything else. The, the World Cup would be a disgrace. They've made, they're one of seven teams to have made it the last seven years. There's no reason for them – there's no reason for, the, for that streak to end any time in the near future. Yes, Mexico is playing extremely well, and yes, Costa Rica is always really difficult. But there's only six teams make the, make the final – only six teams are, are in the running for four spots. That would be inexcusable, in my mind, with the talent that we do have. 
to not to not make that to not go that far. I, I would I would certainly agree. I came out with their nice little ballot again. Uh, for 2017. You know I love this time, right? I love this time of year. I love the fact that the awards were just handed out. We have the MVP, we have the Cy Young, and uh, the Rookie of the Year. So I don't think that there were too many surprises along the way. Maybe Rick... Um, well, apparently, apparently, apparently Kate, Kate Upton was a little bit surprised. Oh, uh, no, Kate Upton was a little pissed off. She wasn't altogether surprised. And to tell you the truth, Justin Verlander... You have a Cy Young, and you have Kate Upton. That should really be enough for me. Um, and you have an MVP. So let's go through these um, these Hall of Famers. we got about 10 minutes to go. I just want a yes or a no. We'll go more in depth in a couple of weeks when the Hall of Fame actually comes out. With their, uh, I think they come out January 17th. So first-timers. Dick uh, Baez, I'm thinking that's a no. Timer was who? I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you said. Danny Baez. Who is Danny Baez? Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Julio, Lugo. Julio Lugo. Julio. Is that like Enrico Caruso? Enrico Palazzo. Arthur Rose. Him too. Freddie, Freddie Sanchez. Pat Morrell. I love Pat. Arthur. I, I love Arthur Rose. Uh, Arthur Rose was, was like. Arthur Rose was like uh, the, the the reliever for the Orioles in the late in the late nineties. The giant, the Yankees would inevitably be down two runs, and I'm, I'm forgetting the name. Oh, is, is that Benitez? I'm forgetting yeah, the name. Where they would just, you knew as soon as he came, you knew as soon as he came in that the Yankees would score four runs off. Arthur Rose so, was the good. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not overwhelmed by any of the guys. I'm looking at, I'm looking at this list of new, of new right. players coming in. There's only How one or Jason, two that I think are really. How about Jason Veritek? Do you think he gets five percent and stays on on the ballot? No. Okay. Do you? Bagley? No. Bagley or Ordonez? You know, it's funny. Ordonez nice, has some great nice, nice player. Yeah, nice player. Yeah. Very nice player, but no. Seven-time All-Star, actually. Jorge Posada. Only in Yankee Land. Premier Guerrero. Um, Vladdy, he will get it at some point. I don't know if he gets in the first year. Okay, so are you of the belief that first-timers hold a certain cachet? So I hate what people say, and this is just me saying, he's not a first-time Hall of Famer, but he's a Hall of Famer eventually. Yeah, I actually hold to the cachet aspect. I think there is okay. a cachet to being a first year, to being a, a, first, a Hall of Famer in your first year of, of eligibility. So, your belief is that you don't believe. Your belief is that you don't believe that Vladdy is a first year Hall of Famer. But you, if you had a vote, you would vote for your three, five, and seven, and not just the odd years. I mean, every other year. Well, look, I, I, I think to me it's more. I would look at. I also have to look at who's out there and what it's like, he's not someone he, look, he was a great player. He won an MVP. He was great in both. He was also certainly a many time all-star in both, in both leagues was with Montreal and then um, with, with, with the angels. Um, I don't, 
I don't know. I would ha- I would have to see, and I don't know off the top of my head. In a given year, he could be a first ballot Hall of Famer for me. Um, but sorry about that. Oh, that was a remote. But I don't think I don't. When I think of the all-time greats, I don't put him at that level. Where again, I maybe I should. You tell me. This is your domain, my friend. You tell me. This is here's an interesting question. So you have an inner echelon, obviously, right? We've talked about this many times before. You have a, you have maybe a hundred guys that are in the Hall of Fame. Then you have a Hall of Very Good, right? That's right. You have, you have an inner circle. Does Derek Cheater make your inner circle? <laughs> No, I, I was you just know, throwing that because, because Derek Jeter never won an MVP. I don't believe he ever won a batting title. Oh, no, I think he, he may did. have won one. He won one. I think he won, he won one. one. So he never won an MVP. And he should have won one MVP. Yeah. No, I – well, Derek Jeter in a lot of ways is the beneficiary of being the captain of a team that won five championships. Exactly. And so I, although I'm laughing because I think the question is, I think the question is valid. Um, would he be in my top 100, or in my in my hall in my hall of great? Well, I would think that I'm just trying to kind of when I look at that team, there's two names that kind of come to mind. He's one, and. Rivera's Rivera the, other. the other. I don't think there's much question. I don't think there's much question on Rivera's place in that in that hall of great. I think just as a cumulative over the years that he played, he ended up with what thirty five hundred hits. You know, yep. he was. He is. I, I'm not going to say he's high on. He's not in the top top part of the pantheon. But again, when I look at shortstop, I don't know who I would put up there. I don't. Wait, you know my feelings yeah, on Rivera. Before you go there, before you go there, okay. And this is a name I want you to compare him to. And I know, you being a Yankee fan, you have a special special place in your heart for Derek Jeter. I get it. Okay? Do you, mm-hmm. put Pete Rose, do you put Pete Rose in that top 100? Because if you don't, then I have a question. Because Pete Rose... No, I think, I think, I think Pete Rose probably does belong in, in that 100. Okay. Because they're the same player. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I don't know how you. Again, would he be? Would either of them be in my top twenty-five or top thirty? Probably no. But in my top, you know, as we said, we've talked about the pantheons of great in the Hall of Fame run. Um, sure. He's, you know, he's somewhere. He's in there. I don't know where he's there. He's not at the, you know, he's not at the Randy Johnson, you know, Roger Clemens, Clemens, you know, but he's not. At, he's not at the top one or two parts of the tier. But he's comfort. I think they're both pretty comfortably somewhere in the fifties or sixties. Would be my guess. So in the next, in the next couple of shows, just so you know, ladies and gentlemen, I saw, and the reason I bring this up is not for the Hall of Fame, but it's more to the point of I've looked over some of, of the numbers that have been retired in sports recently, and this came because Tim Duncan's number is going to be retired, I believe, on December twenty-first. But can't tell you his first. And one of the guys that is retired by the Spurs caught me a little off guard, and that's Bruce Bowie. 
and it kind of took me by the Exactly. That was the reaction I had. So, with that in mind, in the next couple of shows, we're going to go through some of the um, retirees and say whether we believe that these guys are worthy of their retired jerseys. Because when I saw Bruce Bowen, I had to do a double take because I couldn't understand why the San Antonio Spurs have retired Bruce Bowen's number. Like, it just didn't make any sense to me. But we'll go through those retirees in a, uh, over the next couple of weeks, and we'll get back to it a little bit. So we got about three minutes to go, Seth. So would you like to uh, leave this chart? Probably the fight of the year where the actual combatants lived up to the expectation. Um, Sergey Kovalev, Andre Ward, two top five fighters, pound for pound, fought for the light heavyweight championship of the world, both undefeated. Ward hadn't lost a fight since he was 12. And it continues that streak in a pretty controversial decision. Um, I know Nabate Isles, our boxing expert, was thrilled. But um, most of the boxing insiders looked like had Kovalev. It seems like – I'm just glad, though, that the, uh, that the caliber of fight lived up to the expectation. You know, so many times we, we have all these ho- high hopes of fights, whether it's boxing, MMA, or anything. And the, in one, of, one or both participants just don't hit the, thresh, don't hit the, the bar that they should. Uh, this one did. So props to Andre Ward coming back from the second round knockdown and coming also – also, quickly, congrats to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Michael Jordan, and Vince Scully for the presidential receiving the presidential order of freedom. Um, talk about an interesting combo, to say the least. All Absolutely, you. I was just, I was going to hit the presidential uh, medal of freedom as well. If you have and are on Twitter, I suggest checking out the Los Angeles Seaway the phone call to Vince Scully for that award. It's it's definitely worth watching. Thanksgiving is this weekend. A very thankful, well, thankful thanks to all of our uh, listeners out there and to my co-host, Seth. Um, you know, the show wouldn't be the same without you. Well, the show wouldn't be in existence without you. But, <laughs> the show wouldn't exist for without all, me. <laughs> thank you. But for, but for all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in every week. Uh, you make the show what it is. We tell you this every, We tell you this every once in a while, but never more so now. When you sit down for dinner on Thursday, watch some football, do what you need to. A year ago, I was in Australia with my grandmother, not in the United States. I miss this holiday tremendously. Um, just be thankful for what you have because there are a lot of people out there that don't have what we have. So thanks to everybody. And one last note, uh, congratulations on the fourth year of the greatest – the fourth anniversary of the greatest play of all time, of course. The butt fumble. The butt fumble. And on that note, ha- right. on that note, happy happy Thanksgiving for Sean Palmer. This is Seth Kamen. Have a good night, everybody. Yeah.